Welcome to Top Shelf Nerds, the show for nerds by nerds about nerds. I am DJ and with me today are Buck and we call ourselves Nerds Amalgamated. Uh, we have an interesting episode today, so let's get the show on the road. So Buck, uh, you have the first topic today. What have you got? Um, well, there's an interesting twist in the robot delivery technology. So there's actually a robot company called Starship Technologies, and they're planning to build 1,000 delivery bots. Uh, wow. Actually, they'll actually have a fleet of 1,000 delivery bots by 2019, operating from two campuses. So, yeah, quite wow. quite interesting to to look at some of the pictures of it and consider the possibilities. Imagine a 1,000 of these running around camp. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually liking the idea. Yeah. Like R two D two and K nine are coming into reality. Uh, what are they de- what, what, have they specified? Like where are they deliver? Um, well, there is it's um, in Milton Keys, so okay, which, which uh, is an English company, English yeah. area. So yeah, the robots will be put to work in twenty university or work campuses across the US, UK, and Germany. So that that that'd be fun. Uh, I, I... American campuses fun. UK campus. Um, it looks like um, looking at the article here, it says it's following trials with Just Eat to deliver takeaway in South London, and they've got just trying to see the hundred thousand miles of delivery journeys completed so far, and wow. firm claims that none have been stolen or vandalized. That's pretty crazy. Hundred thousand, and yet no one has de- no one has decided to steal them. That's do you remember the hitchhiking robot? Yes. It got is... halfway across America and then someone beat it up. Yeah, but that's this is the thing. This is in South London. This yeah. is in, this isn't in America where America seems they seem to have this genetic preconditioning after generations where they've got the rule ingrained into them of if it doesn't move, paint it. If it moves, salute it from the military. And it's come across to the general population of you've just got to paint everything. <laughs> so you like you look at some beautiful pieces of timber furniture, and it's come through into the um, TV shows here where they've got the people doing the interior decorating. Oh, you've got yeah. beautiful, beautiful timber furniture, and then they go and paint it, and then give it a distressed look. My, uh, my sister's a big fan of Better Homes and Gardens, and oh, every week there's some host who joined a couple of years ago, and that was when I reckon it went downhill because she started just taking everything, like all these vintage furniture and vintage records and stuff, and melting them or pe- burning them or painting them over in some shitty modernist paint. I, I honestly cannot sit in the same room as that TV show, because like, especially if, if my father's there, because the only thing distressed about the whole situation is its react. Because it's destroying the... Well, I, I, I personally hate the idea of just covering up the timber. But my dad takes a serious offence. And you sit there in the room and he's yelling at the TV half the time going, you stupid idiot. How dare you paint that thing? That was beautiful. And then there's a big fight between him and my mum about he's yelling at the TV. But when he's not there, she's yelling at the TV about the same thing. Do you guys have all, <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming you guys don't watch The Block <laughs> then? No, I, I actually have a lot. <laughs> I, 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 read the... I I actually prefer something that's actually intelligent. Most reality TV. Well, it, it follows the general rule that humans love drama. Big Brother and Survivor shows us that. No, it's not mm. that humans love drama. It's just that it's the cheapest drama. Most people actually prefer something intelligent. Um, but getting back on topic here with all this um article, 
Um, apparently in Germany, car giant Mercedes-Benz uses the robots to deliver parcels internally. So talking about getting back on topic with the robots. When you say internally, do you mean as in like from office to office kind of environment or just... Oh, it's in the factory as well. Have you actually seen the size of Mercedes Hamburg operation? It's big. I, yeah. I remember... It's insane. They've actually got they've actually got a mail system for and so forth for delivering parcels and the internal mail where they've actually got like their own postal network and they have guys who ride push bikes to get around. Like they've actually got push bikes available to get from department to to department because it's so big. Yeah, those um that facility is insane. So they're actually using these robots to deliver parcels and actually. I- Saw a thing on Facebook um, yesterday, which is actually very similar to this, where there's a suitcase you can now get that actually follows you around. Just like the luggage in um in Discworld. Well, yeah, um, it's a robot suitcase. I don't remember who it is that makes it. I posted. I think I've shared it on the Nerds Amalgamated page, but it's just yeah, it follows you around, and yeah, it was on the Tech Insider page. So big shout out to those guys. Beautiful, beautiful okay. looking little piece. Like it's like a carry-on bag, but it follows you around, and you can put other bags and stuff on top of it, and it tracks your your phone via smartphone app. You mean the uh, Travel Mate Robotics? That's it. Top speed of six point seven five miles per hour if you have to run, and it's got special flashing lights, so it looks like it could be out of Tron. <laughs> What's its uh, its maximum range? Um, it stays within a certain like, what? I mean, like how far can it drive in a day? Um, can't see those details. But if you actually look on Facebook, there it's 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 looking a lot of fun, and I can see so much stuff being done with this now. I can see people yeah. putting mannequins and so forth on them just to stir people up. <laughs> and um, getting uh stuck in Changi or Frankfurt, it would uh, I reckon like it would need a really good battery life, like because those airports are huge. Mm. Mm. Well, like I haven't seen all the bits and pieces, but yeah. Like I have to get the de- get a proper look at the details, but the robots are taking over the world. We're going to have R two D two and K nine Tron bike. All we need now is Skynet. I think I heard that Skynet actually does exist. There is actually a company called Skynet or SkyMesh. Yeah, Sky SkyMesh. Sorry, there's actually a um, NBN provider called SkyMesh in Australia. <laughs> And isn't it also a uh, Google project that they were calling Skynet? Um, oh. I do believe so. Oh my god! <laughs> some 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 of our fellow nerds on the dark side with a good sense of humour. <laughs> uh, but this machine, I, uh, it's so I know it hasn't been stolen or um, ha- stolen or vandalized. But can you see it going? Can you see it happening? Even with the num the large number of robots coming in, like a thousand robots, someone's going to bound to steal them. In. Well, they've got GPS trackers and all that on them and cameras and so forth. And at the end of the day, is it really worth stealing something and going to jail over just to get food? Like, theft is theft. At least for the first... If you vandalize it, it's going to go pretty harsh on you. At least for the first few years, I reckon it'll probably stick to more affluent areas. So, um, because the market for people to get robotic deliveries like that won't exist in poorer areas. So I expect it'll be even less likely to get robbed for the first couple of years. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll actually go against you on that one. Um, I actually looked at some research once and it shows that there's actually a higher, con- a higher concentration of takeaway food and so forth in the less affluent areas. And delivery services 
operate a lot higher in the more marginalized working class area and they, 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 they're not going to mess with the food whereas some rich kid is likely to sit there and do it just for a laugh because they don't really give a damn fair enough just looking at the psychology of it and some of the other some of the other research that i have looked at on different times on different things um yeah poor people don't mess with the food like you never you, know, you won't find them stuffing up where someone's delivering food that they, they're going to use whereas rich kids are usually more likely to just be bored so they'll go out and do something stupid mind you the mind you the um, the um, looking at the page as well and they're saying it's only for delivering groceries so yeah buck's got a yeah fair enough um yeah no the article is actually by melanie abbott so yeah quite quite an interesting thing i'm actually going to start following some of her work just to see what else she's got she's from um bbc radio for you and yours so she's on the tech page interesting to see so yeah um bit of a bit of a step forward i always keep trying to find these bits and pieces and so yeah like as i said like they've got the tracking stuff there so it'd be quite interesting to see where it comes oh actually i just saw something starship was set up by the two co-founders or by two of the co-founders of skype in 2014 oh so that's where they uh they went after they got put out by microsoft hmm um, well, two of them have gone over here, and yeah, they're not saying how much the current expansion will cost, but have raised another fifteen million pound in funding over the last year. So okay. they're not they're not cheap little things. Um, looking at the pictures of them, you've got six wheels, the little orange flag sticking up the top, and they literally, literally look like the canine robot. And that is awesome. So yeah, um, yeah, might want to move along to the next topic now. Um, we appear to have lost the oh. DJ. He has had a meltdown or something. That explains why everything suddenly went quiet. Hmm. Hmm. No, he's, back. he's back. <laughs> sorry, my so voice nice. chip. My, my, sorry, my voice chip malfunctioned all of a sudden. So nice. It happened. I was thinking <laughs> of that song, Silence is Golden. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, we're just about to move on to the next topic. Yep. Yeah. Which so, was Victory Motors? No, sorry. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I was reading an article about a car. Okay. So the prof- so. This next topic is on the professor with the uh, PlayStation given FTC warning. What's that one about? Yeah, about the warranty void if removed stickers. It's sort of trickling down now. The first big win in this area was for farmers. The big companies like John Deere tried to make it so that farmers couldn't legally... Uh, repair their own tractors and you had to take them to a dealership like there's some sort of car and like a, a farmer can afford to take a, two days off to get his his tractor booked in at the local dealership and repaired and obviously that doesn't work so farmers started hacking their tractors and uh it, i even heard a story of them importing custom firmware from eastern europe where hackers had broken it so that they could get around repair restrictions okay. but now it's uh it's trickled down to through the ftc to hardware manufacturers for phones and gaming consoles so a bunch of companies have received orders from the ftc to stop uh stop including the warranty void of remove stickers because it's now against the law to void warranty if someone attempts a repair that obviously you'd have to prove that your repair wasn't what caused the issue in the beginning, but they've now uh, made it illegal to is to repair if someone's already attempted a repair. Okay. 
So even if you want to clean the uh, the PlayStation by itself, it's against it's technically warranty vo- um voidable. It's the it so it's was. technically yeah it was yeah. Now mm. they've changed the law, so um at least in the US, hopefully it'll come across the pond. But at least in the US, it's now illegal to void your warranty if you open up the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's... Which I'm really excited for as a uh, bit of a, a geek. I like pulling things apart and seeing how they go. Mm. So, so you work on the reverse engineering pr- principle, huh? No, I, I mostly follow other people's guides because I don't have enough experience to do a full reverse engineer myself. But um, I... I do appreciate it when there's a, a common problem with a product and it's uh, possible to fix it without having to warranty replace it. Like, uh, I have a Pebble Watch. Um, may they rest in peace. But <laughs> it uh, <laughs> there was a known flaw where the connector between the screen and the motherboard would uh, come loose. And the fix for that was to put a, a bit of cardboard in the back panel to hold everything firmly. So um, that the yeah, the people who make Pebble, they basically said it's okay, you can do that. But if it had been a big company, then they would have voided my warranty for doing that. And um, I like that's just such a simple repair that I shouldn't have to send it back for a warranty repair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's. A, it, I think it's going to be a godsend for so many people in, in the end. And not only that, uh, your voice has gone very quiet. Hey, what you're doing in ethical Seuss as I um, excuse me, DJ. Hello, DJ. DJ, can you hear us? Um, his yes. logic circuit seems to have gone f- and fried itself again, there, folks. <laughs> yeah, I'm right back. I'm back. Okay, have you plugged that chip back in properly? Uh, yep, it fully plugged in. Okay, at least something is. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, that article I was talking about before is actually a friend of mine sent me a um, link to. Um, there's actually a group called Victory Motorcycle, Victory Motors. They're at, at motorcycle company, and yeah, they've got, got some nice motorbikes. Um, yes. But yeah, uh, back to what I was saying. So it's it's interesting how it's not only PlayStation that's getting the um, getting the warning. It's also Nintendo, HTC, Microsoft. Well, it's um. I don't see it as a, a warning so much as a we've changed the rules, get in line. Yeah, because uh, it's only a very recent change, and up until uh, up until the change happened earlier this year, there was no, there was um nothing to stop them from doing it. So it's basically just saying, guys, remember we changed this, get in line now, or we will uh, have to crack down on you. Yeah, the, here the comp. Uh, here's what it says. Uh, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, H- Hyundai, HTC, and a suit company. Okay. Okay. So Actually, I just noticed in the um in the article mm-hmm. the act that the um the warranty act is the 1975 Magnuson Moss Warranty Act, which states that no manufacturer charging more than five dollars for a product may put re- repair restrictions on a device that is offering warranty. So. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's uh, actually been illegal for a long time, and they're only just cracking down. Mm-hmm. So these companies were just rotting the system. Well, but... yeah, because um, it's one of those things that no one's bothered bothered to check up on until earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Although it's interesting, um, it does notice like there, um, Apple is absent from this round of warning list. Yeah, um, I guess they're kind of feeling that Apple's already impaired enough um they, <laughs> they're often steering 
customers away from third-party repair shops, suggesting that it's um, and avoid the warranty or something like that. But yeah, there's uh, um, a guy on YouTube, Lewis Russman, who has been taken to court a couple of times because he um, he runs a an Apple repair shop, and they uh, kept taking him to court because he was doing repairs at an authorized Apple repair place or whatever. So um. <laughs> yeah, so I remember he was uh, quite excited earlier this year when the ruling came down that he was wasn't in the wrong. Okay, so I'm just saying the large in the one saying um, three cases. The letter specific use of warranty void if remove stickers or seal breaks the law language. Uh, and if you want to, you can yeah. read the article yourself. We will have the link available. <laughs> yep, as opposed to listening to the DJ narrate it for you. <laughs> I know what I'd prefer. Might be quicker to read it yourself. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, sorry if I keep coming back to this. Um, but do you guys remember the TV show? I don't know if you ever saw it called Chips, the California Highway Patrol. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know of it. Okay. Um, yeah, that motorbike I was talking about, I mentioned just before. Um, yeah, it actually looked exactly the same as the motorbike that they had in Chips. But it's for sale here in Australia. Cool. And he, and he was, he's, he's posting me a picture. And it's not a Harley Davidson. Um, but, yeah, it's really cool. So what you're saying is you could uh, buy that and go and film your own uh, California-themed Mad Max movie. Um, pretty much. Um, they've actually got a range of different motorbikes that they're a V-twin. So they look very much like the Harley. Sound very much like the Harley. Um, they just haven't got the huge screen for the on the front bearing okay. the way that chips had but yeah there's one there that is painted orange so it's a, it's victory motorcycles but or victory motors but it looks like it's the same victor when you got it in um the orange with the gray stripe it just cuts out the letter y on the end of it That's... and it just it's such a beautiful bike so yeah um sorry if keep if i'm blaming the point there no. yeah. <laughs> uh, we get it you love your motorbikes yeah <laughs> your motorbikes i love, man. I, I love the, the robotics and tech stuff, like mechanics yeah. and robotics. <clears throat> so much fun. Mm-hmm. And these just look so much like the bikes they had on the TV when I was a kid. Yeah, and enough. you could go buy one and go for a ride down the freeway. <laughs> like these things are literally, they've got the big saddlebags on the back. They've got, they, call, they call them the bagger. And it's actually got, it's got the big hard cover um, saddlebags on the back. Cool. So you, you know what's going to be interesting, but back to the story, guys. You know what's going to be interesting. I wonder how many other companies are going to be getting the warning at, at the, after 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 the big six. Um, well, technically, anyone who bleep, who um breaches the legal and refuses to honor a warranty is able to be taken to court about. So this will be fun. This will be interesting. Yeah, yeah. If they've uh, got any legal experts in the audience, do we have a similar? Act in Australia. Um, I, I know that there's things with the warranties where, like, the, as I was just saying, like, there's a lot of stuff. Um, I'm not sure the the exact wording on some a lot of stuff. Like, you you have a 30 day cooldown period is by law, and yep. a lot of companies try to say you've only got a 14 day cooling off period, and they turn around and they say, oh yeah, but we said in the small print that it's only a 14 day cooling off period, and you've signed to agree to that, but you and, can't do that. Mm-hmm. Technically, no. Well, they're not allowed to. They can put it in there. You can agree not that to it. Means it. anything though. Yeah, if, um, it doesn't if mean anything. They have to actually spe- specifically say that is a, a reduced cooling off period, and even then, it still doesn't mean anything by law. Yep. 
I'm at I'm at the uh, consumer competition website in the section of repairs. If the problem uh, it says a quote, if the problem with with the product or service minor, you must accept free repair if the business offers you one. And uh, okay, but is there anything about the timing of how they do it? Pun. Is there anything in relation to the time frame of available in that? Or whether you can still get a warranty repair if you've already opened the case. So, so if it's like a major problem, you mean? Or well, is it illegal uh, for them to put a sticker on the side of something saying "void if your, your warranty is void if tampered"? I don't really see. It. Okay. Well, if we have any experts in the audience, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, it's saying it was similar to what you guys are saying. It's a, if a, a product or a good has a major problem, uh, one of the one of the aspects is if it does. It doesn't um, do what you asked for. Or cannot be easily fixed within a reasonably in a reasonable time. Yeah, that's what they the classify as a major yeah. problem. So. Yeah. Okay, that doesn't really sound relevant to what we're asking, though. Yeah, but it is the time frame thing. So with um, some of the tractors and stuff for farmers, it's more the time frame. Sometimes um, that's the reason why they're rain hacks and whatnot. Although most of the farm tech got like most of the farm people, they actually sell the tractors and so forth in Australia. You usually have someone who races out quick to repair stuff. If you pay half a million dollars for a tractor, you want someone to be able to come out there in the middle of the night, it's broken. Yeah. Some of those tractors are insane these days, though, like air conditioning, cup holders, <laughs> they drive themselves. Oh, yeah, no, um, my brother amazing. in um, rural areas and um, some of the tractors out there, they actually, they've actually got like GPS plots for where the tractor's going to go on the fields. Yeah. And we're talking, when we, we, when we say fields here, I'm talking like they've got areas that are like a kilometre or two long and two or three kilometres wide and they've got the tractors running on that and it's following a GPS plot and the, the farmer sits there in the cabin in air-conditioned comfort overseeing the fact that the machine's operating itself while drinking coffee and doing what he's got to do. Um, I've seen people around. on Reddit say that they, uh, they watch Netflix while they're riding around in their tractor. <laughs> yeah. I've seen one guy who has actually had um, three tractors operating side by side where like one's actually like the harvesting, the next one is the baling sort of thing and the third one is a truck trailer sort of thing and it moves up as the trailers get full and goes back to the um, staging area and is unloaded and comes cool. back and catches up. Like it, it's just yeah, the guy the guy does that professionally. He just goes around and does harvesting. He has the set up and programmed in. It goes and does all the collection. So that's the reason why they're paying half a million dollars for the machines. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, if one breaks down, it's a lot harder to repair. Yeah, yeah especially the electrical parts. Especially if you're doing it in the middle of the field as well. Hmm. My pop has a uh, a like seventy year old tractor that still runs fine. Nice, but nice. it uh, doesn't have a cab, doesn't have air conditioning, no cup holders. No, um, the farm that my father worked on when he was only about 18, he used to have a tractor that was one of the first diesel tractors in the area where the farm was. Cool. And but they, it used to be a crank start to get it going. So you'd actually have to have, like, they originally had to have someone at the front to spin the crank handle to get it started. But they used to just park around on top of the hill so they could just do a hill start. <laughs> that must be from riding on and, the track. And it was still running in early 90s. They, they still had that tractor there and it was operational. Yep. 
It was a blind striker. It did have suspension. So it's like driving a a car without any power steering or airbags or that. Yeah, they're just incredibly basic. That's how they keep going for so long. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it it didn't actually have tires. It had steel wheels with um, spike tread pattern stuff cut into the, oh yeah, into the actual wheel itself. Um, And when I say steel, I mean literally it was steel, not copper or rubber overlay or anything like that is actual proper metal yeah and it would it just kept kept working year after year after year after year after year and we we still think there's actually a certain percentage of the the farm who owned it who bought it brand new um is in there and yeah just all the other people who have operated over the years have left a certain amount of their own dna in blood sweat and tears i'm working on it i'm glad you uh, you clarified that yeah, ah, yeah, you got other people doing other things, but yeah, now that just the um, blood, sweat, and tears of working yep. on the land and working on the tractor, um, that it it should literally be able to get the same but the amount of things that's lost in and personality. That- Adam, the way you were saying that made me think of a uh, of a movie idea, Ghost Tractor. <laughs> hey. oh. The tractor is possessed it. by the ghost of a farmer who cannot rest until his field is ploughed. Well, wait, isn't there a similar um, uh, horror movie called Children of the Corn? Um, that's, no, that's... Well, there uh, is a movie called not... Children of the Corn, but it's not about plowing the field. That's evil coming it's about, to take over like, the world. Yeah. He who, he who moves behind the corn. Oh, yeah, I apologise, folks. The DJ hasn't actually watched this movie. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Is that um, an original quote from the movie, or is it like an older reference he, to Satan? He who moves behind the corn. I think that's yeah. from it's it's from the movie as far as I know. Okay. Yeah, Children of the Corn. It's uh the villain is the villain is called He Who Moves Behind the Fields. Behind the rows. Yeah, he moves he, he moves Yeah, he he who walks behind the road. Okay. But there's a lot of legend stuff in behind a lot of this sort of stuff. I can't remember who it was who wrote the original story. In some ways it feels very Stephen King. Yeah, it's Stephen King. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually watched it, and what I've actually watched all of those movies, and and that movie's still going. That's a franchise is going, going, going. What Stephen mm-hmm. King? No, the mm-hmm. um, there is a new one coming out this year. Is there? Okay, yeah. I know. You triggered on the corn. I knew it was up to number yeah. seven. I didn't okay. think they'll make it anymore. They're making one. It's called Children of the Corn Runaway. I didn't know it had that many sequels. It yeah. was up to number seven, and apparently there's going to be a number eight. Oh, okay. there was already there, there was already right. one in. I expect it will be much like the uh, Land Before Time sequels. Ah. Those two are all right, and then the rest of shit. Actually, that's... Um, no uh, idea. Actually, actually, Buck, it's uh, number nine. Get that, Bucky. Actually, Buck, it's number nine. Number eight was Children of the Corn Genesis, and that was 2011. Okay, I have to get hold of that. And what year now. did Terminator Genesis come out? That came out 2015. Okay, so it's not like... The name's just ripped off then. It's not just a coincidence. Yeah, Terminator ripped it, it off of Children of the Corn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that that would be a that would be a, that would be a cool sci-fi flick. Children of the Corn came back in time. Oh. They're actually interesting movies to watch. Just kind of creepy in some ways. In other ways, you sit there and you have a laugh. <laughs> hey, it's Stephen King, and he does a good he does a good sci-fi. He can, he can do a sci-fi fantasy type series. Oh, this is this is more for the horror. And he, I think he only wrote the first story, and then other people have taken just run from. Because the rest of them aren't on the same level. But uh, speaking of sci-fi, I see um, Netflix is going to be making new, more sci-fi fantasy shows. Few months, mm. apparently, and it's going to be primarily its main focus. Nice segue there. You, 
You've been working on the last few days, haven't you? Nah, not, I, I bet he he got a time traveler from the future to tell him exactly <laughs> what we were going to say before the transition. So you could narrow the segue. Yes, yes. Somewhere. No, no, because he's, he was too smooth on it. Like, if he was trying to copy something that someone had given him, it would be stilted and he would stuff it up somewhere. You're right. It'd be so, like, he would start talking about historical movies or something like that. <laughs> the science fiction. Like, this is DJ we're talking about here. Come on. Ah, yikes. Yeah, come on, come on. Yeah. Uh, as, I was, as I was saying, so Netflix is going to be, its main focus now is going to be sci fi and uh, fantasy shows. And this is based on an analytic of a report by an analytical form called Ampere Analysis. Oh, I'm getting worried that you're going to say um, Analytica. What, what's its name? <laughs> Cambridge, Cambridge Analytica. I was thinking, no, no, not and another Facebook have... fallout. <laughs> yeah, they changed their name today or yesterday. Oh. So according to these guys, they were saying that the, the genre itself has overtaken um, comedy as the most popular Netflix original category. And um, I'm glad you put in that little qualifier that, that, that it, uh, in Netflix, for net, saying it's Netflix's reported popularity. Hmm. It's the sci-fi channel is, or sci-fi network, whatever they call them, have been absolutely huge for a long time. And customers, and, and the company also said that um, more than a quarter, 29% of Netflix's upcoming original content fits into the sci-fi and fantasy category. So, uh, and this is because of like uh, all the sci-fi shows that we know of that are in Netflix, like Stranger Things, um, Lost in Space. And let's not, let's not forget the truly giant heavyweight here, Game of Thrones. Wait, that's a HBO. Uh, that's not, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, but it's generated all the interest, like shows <laughs> such as that. And Netflix has just cashed in the fact that Game of Thrones is absolutely taking the world by Harry Potter and so forth. Like, you know, all these fantastic franchises that have developed such a massive following, and Netflix is going, there's a market in there that we should be addressing. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So, but, but, here's, a th- but here's the thing though, um, net we did because earlier on, um, they Netflix, um, posted its results and they said that the most viewed show in Netflix. It wasn't Stranger Things. It was um, 13 Reasons Why, which is kind of odd. Like, yeah, that's people... a straight-up drama. Yeah. No sci-fi or fantasy yeah. or anything in there. That's and a got... abomination. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. It, it did raise an awareness. It, uh, it's it, the it... one that the actual psychologist mm, no. said, don't watch if you're depressed. It was also the one where they, they actually went to and, and, and spoke with psychologists about things that they're not supposed to talk about. And then they actually went and just wrote the script that was actually discussing all these things and hitting all those trigger points. So there's actually a massive backlash from all those who have studied psychology and going, you, you come and ask us a question, what not to look at and what not to talk about and all the, all these trigger issues. We tell you these things because sound like you're trying to be reasonable and professional, blah, blah, blah. And then you go, um, actually, that's the whole premise of your show. So yeah. like, I'm, I'm sorry, but as having studied psychology looked at a lot of the stuff i've never actually watched the show but yeah there was there was a massive backlash from in amongst all the psychological field where like in a lot of journals where they were saying and networks and that what they were saying was so underhanded and deceitful the way it was handled and yeah they're going to struggle to get anyone 
from out of the field to actually come and be involved with them because you know, you've got to renew your accreditation to maintain it to be able to operate as a psychologist. So pretty much anyone who is involved is going to find themselves on the cold list. Okay. So that, that they'll, they'll not be... So you reckon it'll uh, kick back against any psychologist who was on staff? Well, any psychologist that's involved with it going forward is going to is is probably on the on the naughty list for the the Christmas hampers. <laughs> and psychologists are very 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 good at remembering when you do the naughty things because that's their job. Yeah. But the, here's so the thing: never so mess with a psychologist because we know how to train an army of monkey. That's the whole <laughs> point of psychology. <laughs> we take you damn dirty apes and turn you into people. The DJ is a prime example. He's actually, <laughs> he's actually a chimpanzee that we've trained and put into a metal skin as a droid. He's not a person. No one told me this. Oh, I, I'm just hearing my origin story right now. <laughs> but you know what I'm like. The whole whole premise of psychology is study and help people, and not create a situation that's going to have negative impacts and ramifications for people. And yeah. Thirteen reasons why. The, the producers of it went and sat with psychologists to get the details of these things and straight up lied to the psychologist of what that what that what they were doing and then they went and the whole show was premised around those triggers and it's just it's stupid like if you're going to lie to people don't lie to psychologists we will remember you <laughs> and we can make fun of you in ways that actually hurt. so note to self the th- um, uh, entities that remember things for a long long time the internet and psychologists. Mm-hmm. And elephants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and elephants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back, back to this um, I, back to this um, topic. Um, yeah, with, with I, yeah, Netflix has been doing well like, with sci-fi and fantasy. And, I, and we've seen it with The Strange Things, for example, with, um, with all the sci-fi movies, like the, like the real paradox. Um, Is that actually a sci-fi thing or a weird drug effect? <laughs> Cloverfield. I think. I think at this stage, it's starting to become a drug-affected nightmare. Like, I, I watched the first one, and I haven't really bothered with any of the rest because it was. Just, it just didn't really deliver what all the all the hype. What just just didn't deliver the promise. Yeah, it didn't really work for me either. And I'm one of those people. Like, I've watched so many movies. I'm. I'm. Can almost guarantee you, I forgot. So I have watched and that Cloverfield was one of those ones that I kind of wish I never. That's that's a part of my life that I'm never. <laughs> and the rest and like every every other one since never bothered just the first one so bad it just seems to be getting more it's, it's like a bad case of where yeah. the original rocky movie enjoyable and it just continued on they're hoping oh, like they alien oh let's or not... rambo oh, when oh. rambo was first filmed that was an enjoyable movie but it got worse yeah Close but people still never remember... that high but people start but people remember more of rambo 2 than first blood though. oh hell no 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 People people remember the first one. It's the whole the whole taking on the sheriff. That's the station. That's the whole. Oh come on! That versus um Rambo on the horseback trying to battle against a helicopter. Come on, come um, on. Well, actually, you know, in that one, you're you're looking at there. That's Rambo the, three. The main scene one. there is actually the shooting the helicopter with. Them. Yeah. And that, I think that is actually Rambo three, where, because Rambo two, I think, is where he goes get the uh, the Vietnam um, Vietnam the, the, War. Yeah. The missing in action guys. Yeah, and I think that last scene where he just takes a, a mini gun and just shoots the entire office—that was also a classic scene too. But Rambo, like First Blood, like 
there's actually a novel that that's based on and the original like they've actually changed the ending so it's more of a happy ending in the actual original novel i hate that he died <laughs> and it was yeah. sad yeah uh, but they had to have a happy ending in the movie and so the novel was reprinted with a happy ending what the, the hell the original well, book is actually apparently a brilliant read like i've had a few people recommend it i've got to try and get hold of it it's it's one of those ones it's hard to get hold of the original print of reminds me of uh, a clockwork orange the um american version cut out the sort of the final act mm-hmm. so you get to the part where he, he breaks out of um, where he escapes gets out of prison and uh goes through that whole thing with the being tortured by the the music and yeah. then he uh does a couple of other things and it ends but the the british version has the the last couple of chapters where he runs into his old friends and he meets a girl and settles down and all that ah yeah. so I, take so take out the happy ending and just replace it with a gruesome not really the happy no. ending because uh that's not what a clockwork orange is but it was more about the ending of a clockwork orange was more about um how he grew as a person and grew out of being a, a psycho. Yeah. And it, but the uh, American and the version just ends with him going back to being a psycho. And and the whole treatment process and how it operates and the mind mind controlling, yeah. conforming sort of stuff. And a lot of the American stuff, it just revolves around that. And I think that's actually known as the CIA version in some areas. <laughs> Kubrick was crazy. Kubrick was a crazy guy when it comes to directing movies like well, those. It's uh, originally a book by a guy named Anthony Burgess. Mm. Oh yeah. And uh, the thing is, Kubrick had never actually read the uh, original ending because no. he was in America at the time, so he only had access to the um, the short version. The cliff, the cliff notes version. No, the uh, the version that cuts off the last chapters. Ah. Like, it's literally just, instead of uh, having a chapter or two about him growing as a person and all that, it's literally just ending with him um, breaking his programming and being, oh, yep, I'm cured, back to killing people. Yep. And actually, there was actually a stage performance of the book that Kubik went with. <laughs> so he wasn't even the original for the script. He actually took someone else's script and the script he got was an adaption, and it was a, a shortened. Okay, didn't know that. So, well, that's something I, I, I did hear that somewhere once before. I think it was back when I was in. Yeah, the original script taken off the book was the full length, and there was an abridged, shortened version of it that was a little bit less confronting for some audiences, more of the attacking mind control of the corporation. Mm-hmm. I think it was from the hippie days or something like that in the 60s and 70s or early 80s. And then. Yeah, it's a 60s book. And yeah. then Kubrick. Got hold of one of those. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay. That's that's what I've heard. Whether or not that's correct, I'd, I have to go and research it. But it's not one of my more favorite things. Okay. Or um, do you remember uh, his name? No. Terry Gilliam's Brazil? Ah, uh, which, which version? Yeah, the Americans <laughs> cut off the, uh, the ending of that as well. It's... Because, um, uh, there's um 
basically obvious spoilers for a 30 year old movie there's a dream sequence where he breaks out of um being tortured yeah. and weird surreal things keep happening so you're like is this real or not then he gets out and it cuts back to the torture chamber and they're like oh poor bastard his mind's completely gone but the american <laughs> version cuts just before that so it looks like he gets his happy ending yeah it's the same as um have you, have you ever seen there was a old science old um silent movie metropolis oh yeah about a robot breaking free and all this and then it was redone with more modern music and all this sort of stuff there was an american release and a release for everyone else in the rest of the world like yeah. the americans the americans have to have stuff that's just wrong are they changing remember uh american kath and kim oh oh, oh. I couldn't actually stand the original Australian okay. version. Okay. Oh man, that was horrible. An American version of Catherine Kim. Isn't that um, they have a talk show for NBC or whatever? And they got two women. Sitting, whatever is is that? Is that what you're talking about? No, nope. it was um, uh, you know, like Catherine Kim, the show about the Bogans. Mm, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Well, America saw that and thought, let's make our own, uh, our own version of it, and it was like completely butchered. It lost whatever charm it had, and just wasn't any any good at all uh, if i recall correctly one of the um actresses in that show is the actress for the movie hellboy as um liz the pyro chick and seen hellboy wow, lots of people seen hellboy and i, I yeah. love i love your description the pyro oh yeah, yeah well she was she she was a she was, she a, was a pyromancer she's in she was a lady not a chick a chick is like a little bird sorry sorry there to all the ladies who may be listening, <laughs> he uh, um, he always wonders why he never never seems to better get a date. <laughs> the competition is still open. <laughs> Good segue, guys. Good segue. But um, back to the um Netflix article. Are you trying um, to change the subject away from you not being able to get a date? Well, oh, Netflix is one. <laughs> Netflix is one way to get me a date. I will say that. No um, will ever Netflix no, no. chill with you. <laughs> Anyways, guys. Um. So with that, with the with with that in mind, Netflix have um ordered some new um new show, new sci-fi shows coming out soon. Do we have any names? Uh, Battlestar Galactica for one. Oh. Another. Uh, with Kate, this one with Katie Sackoff. Mm-hmm. So it's coming back again, is it? Yeah. Um. There's another one called Another Life, which centers an alien mission. There, then there is the Lost in Space reboot. I have to. I'm. I'm. I have to admit. I'm, I want to see the new Lost. In- I've. Uh, I've been told it's. Uh, it's pretty good, even if it's different to the original. So mm. um, sounds like they've done a good job updating it to modern taste. Yeah. I just. Can't get past what they've done to Robot. I haven't seen any other stuff for, on it yet, so yeah, I'll I, have to try and look yeah. for it. It was uh, funny that you mentioned that, um, Professor. I saw an article about how many of the uh, women on Twitter were saying, like, oh, the robot looks hot. The robot looks hot. Okay. <laughs> it just looks like a generic sci fi robot to me. <laughs> okay, the, so it's, the... not, it's not the old warning, warning, Will Robinson. No. No, no. Oh, that was and not the thing that we loved. Danger. It does say Danger Will Robinson. Mm. Uh, and it was funny that um, people and the um, host of the um, the creators of the Netflix um, robot was saying, um, hey, they said some response. Yeah, there was they, they were mainly saying like, nice butt robot, I, primarily. Oh, I'll put a link in the chat. There's a photo of the robot. 
Okay. Um, so it's it's different to how I remembered it from the trailer, but uh, obviously the trailer must not have had a full body shot like that. <laughs> and they're going, that's hot. Yeah. Okay. I'm so the DJ has worried. a chance. I'm getting very worried. <laughs> maybe maybe their boyfriends are called Bob. Funnily enough, the Short response from Netflix operated boyfriend. Funnily <laughs> enough, funnily enough, Netflix's response was, "Excuse me." Um, which I, which I find like, oh, that's just brilliant. So uh, a new Battlestar Galactica. No, that should be worth it. How many how many Battlestar Galactica series have there been? I mean, I think this will be the third one. Third one. Wow, there was no, the original no. one from like the sixties or the eighties or whenever. And then the one maybe. from the early 2000s. I think this is going to be a flow-on from the 2000s version because Katie Sackhoff was in that. And there was also a spin-off from that as well already. So yeah, Caprica. if you're going to count them as separate, yeah, if you're going to count them as separate ones, then this will be the fourth. Or actually, no, the fifth. Because there was another spin-off from the original as well. Okay, wow. Um, uh, plus, then you've also got the movies from the original. Yeah. They, they were so much fun. For those who do not know who Katie Sackhoff is, she is the um, actress that played Riddick, the movie, as... Bounty Hunter. Dahl, that's her name. That was her D-A-H-L, Dahl. Mm, And and only if she asked me nicely. (laughs) And she was also in um, Longmire as one of the... um, Deputies. Uh, Victoria Moretti. Okay. She was also Dana Walsh in 24. Okay. Um, sorry, I just got a message come up here from a friend um, about uh, apparently Fox made Ryan Reynolds remove a Disney joke from Deadpool 2. Oh. <laughs> and in an interview, he's saying apparently, as I look back at it, I think it may maybe that it was a wise decision, although it kind of hurts because they made him take it out. It's a bit of a sore spot for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ryan Reynolds after... Oh, what the hell did you just post, DJ? Oh, uh, this is the Netflix response, by the way, to that uh, robot. How? And Put that Netflix... in the um, in the, the show notes. It's yep. just, what the hell? <laughs> it's, like I said, people were so obsessed with that robot. Netflix's response was, y'all need Jesus. <laughs> That's all they said. Oh. People have been saying that to you for a long time. Though. Oh, you're talking about that robot, not yourself. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, anyway. Uh, uh, anyway, speaking of sci-fi and theme, uh, Professor, you were talking about one of the greatest, um, one of the unknown sci-fi writers, E. Doc Not Smith. one of the unknown. Oh, not unknown, not unknown to you... me. Unknown to me. That's not our fault that you're such a stunted... Yeah, sorry, I'm trying not to, not to swear and abuse you, <laughs> remorse. Um, sorry there, folks, we're actually talking about E. Doc Smith. Yep, famous um, sci-fi author. One of the original great. And a chemical engineer with two degrees. Didn't he get his a pretty smart guy. As well at one point? A what, sorry? Didn't he get his doctorate as well or something? Um, at one point? Yeah, he's uh, E. Smith, PhD. There you go. So, yeah, sorry, I, I remember reading some, I know, know he had the title. Doc Smith. That doesn't mean back in those days. Yeah. Good old Edward L. I read his books. So, so I didn't know you were that old, Bucky. <laughs> well, I didn't read them when he was a kid. Bucky's showing his age. Yep. But anyway, the reason we're bringing him up this week is because his birthday was on May the 2nd. And that, uh, so May the 2nd, 1890, which would put him as rather old these days. But he did die in 1965, age 75. Mm hmm. 
but he um he's famous for his own work his chemical engineering and skylark and lensman and also for inspiring other greats like heinlein yeah he also had a series called subspace and his his stuff was always so much fun to um so t- tell us more about the um lensman universe i Subs- think bucky's the best option to tell us a bit about that yeah uh, sorry if i'm seeming a little bit fanboy um well the whole thing with the lensman series is that's actually a battle between two major entities that are so advanced as a race that if they actually came to battle against each other directly it would probably actually see the destruction of the universe one side is ultimate good the other side is ultimate evil and the lensman are the tr- the, the, the the tool that is used by the ultimate good where they generate populate they create life on different planets and then they give them these things called a lens and you read through the stories and yeah the number of times the earth is well, well the earth and different planets are destroyed and repopulated apparently atlantis was one of the ultimates but then it was destroyed by the ultimate evil <laughs> cool um and some of the some of the things he has in the stories it's just so ridiculously cool and you look at it and you're going oh some of this stuff is only just coming true it was predicted back then like they could use the lens when like the lens was a you know, wear on their wrist and it was used as an identifying badge and they as they operated like police officers fighting crime. But then they had the lens and they could talk to each other through the lens and communicate. And it was also a universal translator, all that sort of stuff. Which is pretty cool because that's basically a smartwatch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Only a hundred years before its time. And this was before um Dick Tracy came around, he started putting stuff up like this is like literally like the Dick Tracy era, and Dick Tracy had a wrist communicator that he used as well. But he was just a radio, whereas this was taking it to the next level. Didn't um, Red Dwarf as well, as I last recall, had a, had a where um, there was a pocket watch as well? Where, um, Who doesn't? No, not a pocket watch, um, yeah. wrist watch. Yeah, but the Red Dwarf was in the 80s. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but 100, 100 years before that, all this sort of stuff, like people... People thought it was the most fantastic and ridiculously unbelievable thing. Um, Skylark. I'm not going to take anything away from any. You get hold of the, the books and read them. Like you'll sit down, you read the first one, and you be going, "I want to read more. I want to know what happens next. I want to know what happens next." And you go through the whole thing. And and yeah. most of them are available on uh, Project Gutenberg for free as ebooks. I actually went looking through on Amazon. So old, public domain. I actually went looking through on Amazon and uh, I think I found all 14, I think it is, of his work. And yeah, you could buy them for about $250. Whoa, like paperback or hardcover or something? Um, that was paperback. Hardcover, yeah. some of them as special editions are like $50, $60, $70. But I think it's going to, because it's also got artwork and so forth with it. Oh, yeah. So like some of the like some of these um, stories that were released as part of periodicals, the same as Conan the Barbarian was originally released as part of a serial that was appearing in magazines and so forth, like science fiction magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting trivia for you guys in terms of Len- um. Fuck, you're a DC fan, are you not? I am. Uh, you familiar with the Green Lantern series? Um, r- relatively. 
two of the Green Lanterns are actually um two of the Green Lanterns are actually from the le- the names are actually from the Lensman novels. Uh, yep. one is um Arissa Rab R double R A B, and mm-hmm. she the Arissa the first name is actually um from the Lensman novel, and the surname is actually um the writer of the of the character, the writer of the series, um, Mike W. Barr. Backwards. So self-insert fan fiction before Tumblr. <laughs> yeah. But um, if you want some really cool trivia, though, apart mm-hmm. like apart from that, the actual characters, like when you see um, when you look at the cartoon series, the present re- recent one for Green Lantern, um, the big heavy muscly alien Kilowog. Um, Kilowog. Sorry, struggling to remember his name. Is also based very closely on one of the Lensman characters. Um, you'll have to read the books to see who it was. But um, Lensman was actually one of the five finalists in 1966 World Science Fiction Convention that judged Isaac Asimov's foundation as the best all time series. This was actually in competition with it. Oh, that's... So, so, what did you say the uh, competition is? I'll have to look that up. Uh, it was the 1966 World Science Fiction Convention. And it was at that that, it was that um, Isaac Asimov's foundation was judged the best all-time series. Lensman was one of the five finalists in that competition. Is L. Ron Hubbard in, in that as well? Um, well I haven't actually he was after that time, me. wasn't he? I won't say for certain which one. Well, oh, that's, um, that's cool. This, uh, so the 1966 um, World Science Fiction Convention was mm-hmm. also where they presented the first pilot episodes of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to find a list of the finalists. I can't, I'm, a, I'm having to go to... Sh- I'm actually looking online here to try and find it. Um, oh, um, by the way, uh, the other character, the other Green Lantern that was also um, a, a tip of the hat to the Lensman is Edel. So it's Arissa and Edel. Those I were the can't two. actually see the list here anywhere. Sorry. Uh, um, the list of book awards? Uh, yeah, the five finalists. Okay. Uh, yeah, the wiki page doesn't have the finalists. But it's it has um, the, awards. the World the World Science Fiction Society coined the term Worldcon. So Comic Con forerunner was Worldcon. So Worldcon science fiction. Mm. So uh, here we go. Um I found the uh the Hugo Awards, which is the award that was presented at Worldcon. Okay. The uh the best novel ran as, was a, a tie between June and Roger Zelazny's and Call Me Conrad, which had uh, Moon is a Harsh Mistress and Skylark du Quesne by Doc Smith. As, uh, so Moon is a Harsh Mistress is by Heinlein, but uh, one of Skylark was in there. Okay. Uh, he also was nominated for, uh, let's see... Yeah, he uh, his Lensman series was runner-up for best all time, along with Barsoom, Future History, and Lord of the Rings. Oh, there you go. You can't fault him as yeah being unknown. Um, yeah, I apologise, people, that the DJ is so lacking in appreciation. But yeah, he, it's like all the all those books and like June. Who who hasn't read June? Seen the movie, DJ. DJ. You've seen the movie. Great. Just just go. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Movie was great. Read, <laughs> read the book. The books, like the the books for by Hubert, were just great. Herbert, Herbert. Sorry. Yeah, read Herbert. the Herbert books, and then don't read the other books by his son Brian Herbert. 
Uh, he, his son got on some weird drugs, kind of changed it. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate. Yeah, as in Frank Herbert? Yeah, Frank Herbert wrote six books in the main Dune series. And then his son got together with Kevin J. Anderson, mm-hmm. and they wrote like a prequel trilogy, a prequel trilogy to that prequel tri- trilogy, a sequel trilogy, and then they went and filled in the gaps between the other books. And I think there was one more prequel tri- trilogy that they were working on. Uh, but all the, all the all the diehard fans that have actually read the original by Frank Herbert, yeah, absolutely abhor. Yeah, so, the thing is, it's, um, they made stupid mistakes. Like, uh, and then they changed it halfway through without, like, halfway through one of the trilogies without putting a note in. Because um, they have knives made out of the teeth of the sandworms. And if you take a knife away from a, a living body and put it in storage or whatever, it decays. So they create fixed knives, which don't decay. But oh, in the prequels, they got that backwards. And they were like, this knife is fixed, so carry it with you all the time. It's like, that's the simplest bloody thing to check. Yeah. Uh, but and is, is let's, that why... let's be real here. Um, the one group of people you don't want to mess with, science fiction fans. fans. Yep. <laughs> like, literally, like, there's that scene there in um, The Big Bang Theory where Sheldon contacts the sci-fi network and is going through all the different areas and attacking them because they stuffed up on with um, the end. I think it was the end of the series of Alpha. And you, you guys know the episode? No, I can't say uh, I do. I don't really watch it. Vaguely. Uh, he, he, he goes on the phone and he's talking to all the different people from the sci-fi network. And yeah, he goes, well, if you don't want to talk to people like me, well, then you, you shouldn't be calling yourself the sci-fi network. <laughs> was this the one where he's begging um, the Sci-Fi Network to bring back a TV show? Yeah, it was Alpha's son. It was. So, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've I've seen a couple of show episodes of Alpha's. That it kind of had a feel of X Men, X Men E feel to it. What does X Men E mean? Does it mean like X Men, or is yeah. X Men E an actual X Men series? It has an X Men feel to it in a sense okay. where everyone has the special abilities, but they put it into a cop show. Uh, I. I was not really that fussed about. Alphas was more. It was there was a there was a there were some people that had special abilities, and that was what that was about. It wasn't everyone had special abilities. But then there was the whole. The, there was the premise. There, was, there of, were good people, and there, there was there was people who were good that had it had powers, and people who were bad who had powers. That was the there was the premise of the um, group that was um, the antagonistic group, but um, it was founded by a man who was captured by. It was given uh, the powers of immortality. But yeah, Alpha's... I have no idea where you're going there. Completely lost me. Do you know where he's gone there, Professor? No, I I haven't seen it, or uh, I don't really know X-Men, so I don't really can't like, follow yeah. him either. I think we should just make... Yeah. yeah. But, um, we, so we've talked about the best sci-fi sci-fi franchises to uh spe- speaking of sci-fi to um sort of the moderate to media to nearly mediocre sci-fi franchises ghostbusters and man that's gonna put and the recent news from ghostbusters 2016 is that paul feig wants to make a, another ghostbusters movie a sequel to the, the recent ghostbusters did, did he actually look at how much... Like, he actually lost money in the first one, didn't he? In the US. Worldwide, it made a profit. But in the US, it uh, didn't quite. Do you guys want to know some figures? I've got some figures that will... Us. Okay, so... Okay, the production cost for the total Ghostbusters movie was $144 million. 
Theatrical-wise, box office domestically was $128,350,564. That's domestic. Hmm. Internationally, was $100,683,400. So worldwide, it was basically $229. dollars $29 million? $229. $34,050. Okay, so... Oh, the uh, Kevin, the number processing units getting a bit hot there. Yeah, Kevin Kevin Costner was trashed for Waterworld because he spent three hundred plus million dollars, and it was expected he wasn't going to recoup the money. He actually recouped that money on the U.S. box offices alone, and yet here we and but and he left the story there as it was because he was being attacked by the critics because it wasn't apparently good enough. But it's one of those ones that people still seem to enjoy watching. Ghostbusters, oh, a cult classic, drugged. It, it is getting up to being a cult classic. Yeah. Ghostbusters in the recent one, I, I, I haven't actually watched it because, I don't know, just I just didn't like the feel, the way the story was going. Um, I actually watched the originals in the cinemas when I was, I think it was, I shouldn't have actually been in there, but I got to go in with my brothers. <laughs> um, so I was only a, a little tacker at the time. But yeah, like this, this, the scene in the movie there, like the, in the original Ghostbusters and where it, the there's a set of stairs going up, and they go, oh, where do the stairs go? And everyone in the cinema, no cue or anything. We all just went up. Like, that it was the whole series, the whole original movies were fun. And oh, yeah. the, the last movie didn't have that same feel. It was too forced, and it was too much of the, what I call American comedy of, we talk in a certain tone of voice, because, and that's it, your cue to know that we're comedians. We're not actually saying anything funny, but you're going to laugh at us because we talk this way. I agree with you. The humor in the original Ghostbusters movies, they were, they were on point and well-timed. This was just, humor was just awkward, deadpan, and most of them were just attacking people. It was just well, insulting. The original, original movies had two of the greatest comedic actors yeah. in American history with um, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. Like, if you want you want two guys who are guaranteed to be able to generate a cult classic movie, let's look at those two. Like Dan Aykroyd, Blues Brothers, one of the all time biggest cult classic movies. Like just it's up there as being one of the th- biggest in history. Dan Aykroyd, Caddyshack, and so many others. The humor that those guys they just play off each other so well. The- and then there was if they're going to do a remake movie, why didn't they go with like there was cartoons that came out where there was the kids from the original Ghostbusters. There was a cartoon series back in the 80s and everyone loved it. It did well. Why didn't they make it off of, based on that? Where they, they had one where was, they had a big gorilla. That was fun to watch. Oh, that that one? Um, uh, I, I thought you were talking about the other cartoon series, but there's an interesting story with those two. The gr- the one with the, the Ghostbusters, the gorilla on it, and the other one. But that's, that's an because um there was a there was a court battle because um but um with what you said you want to explain what's interesting about it or you just want to keep repeating um actually yeah i will i will tell the controversy with that one was basically columbia pictures the ones that made the uh ghost but the first ghost uh they when they were making that movie they neglected to uh, to um realize that the company that was making the live a- the um the company that already made the um ghostbusters already made a live action the same name uh columbia decided agreed to pay five half a million 
plus one percent profits to the um, filmation studios. And but Columbia, uh, but Columbia didn't want to license it, so they made it uh, when they were making a live uh, animated series. So film film animation used the animation series. And the Columbia proceeded to make to call it the real Ghostbusters cartoon to distinguish itself from that other. Mm-hmm. See, but, like, they could have done a live action movie of that. It would have been fun. People would have loved it. And you could have even had The Rock in a gorilla suit. So many other different movies, like put him in one where he would actually fit. Like, I'm sorry. I'm, there's so many movies that he's appearing in at the moment in control. Well, here's uh, here's the thing though with um the ghost with the first two Ghostbusters movies. They were written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Harold Ramis, mm-hmm. and that was great. And then yeah. in, and in the second one, in the second one, same... hang on, hang on. Harold, say who Harold Ramis was. He was also one of the actors in there. He was yeah. the prof- he was the other prof- he was Egon. Oh no, that's uh yeah. Sorry, I was confusing myself between Ramis and Raimi. Mm. But um yeah. So he wrote and starred in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Both of them did. Both of them did. And a lot of the stuff with um, Bill Murray was just pure ad lib. And it just flowed. And the quality of those guys was was such that it just, stuff was happening. And the the cast and crew were all just like, hey, we'll just roll with this. And they end up with some of the most brilliant pieces of film that you can get in a movie. Like, you don't go... You can't sit there and watch Ghostbusters and not have a laugh. Yeah. I think the new Ghostbusters they were trying to do is like, oh, we're going to add politics and oh, the humor uh, with their version of humor. Like the humor back in the day was wrong and crude. So we're going to use our humor. And not to mention they, the worst part was Chris. He- oh, I think it's interesting that uh, in the space of a year, two uh much loved series were rebooted and one of them was a complete flop and the other was huge i'm talking about mad max oh yes uh, see yeah i didn't i didn't mind the new mad max movie but it's not the same as the original and yeah like i'm one of the old school i think that it shouldn't actually have been called max it should have been called something else like co- just call it something else it's not it's not a mad max movie come on even with know. the even with the uh Tom Hardy doing the do, doing his dangdest to to sound like Mel Gibson. Yeah, but it wasn't. It's not just the Mel Gibson sort of thing. It's the the storyline just went into something completely different from what the original and the, and the way that the story was being held. Like the, Beyond Thunderdome was stretching into something wrong. Beyond Thunderdome is so weird. The original think... the original two Mad Max movies, like um, director Quentin Tarantino. Um, I remember seeing a documentary about Australian film and so forth, and he was talking about some of some of the things he watched. And he's he's in awe of the stuff that was coming out of Australia at that time. And he says he watched Mad Max and Mad Max to raise the back. And he said he was literally his words were he was having an orgasm in the cinema watching this stuff because it was so unlike the crap and dribble that was coming out. It was just so raw and so good. The whole premise of the stories for those were just, it was purely Australian and it was just completely out of different areas. The new Mad Max doesn't hold true to. Okay, but, but here's a th- here's an here's Mad Max. It launched a lot of careers. Like look at Mel Gibson after Mad Max, still remembered for. Look at uh, Hugh Keys Burns, who uh, played Toe Cutter in Mad Max and came back to play. Uh, Immortan Joe in Mad Max. Mm-hmm. So his career's sort of gone on a bit of a horseshoe. Yeah. yeah. 
but um, the funny story with the original casting for Mel Gibson in Mad Max, he actually turned up drunk and suffering from a hangover where he'd been out partying with one of his friends before. He wasn't even supposed to be there for a casting. He was doing something else and he got called in to do that. Oh, they, he turned up and he was all beat up and hung over and everything like that. So he was exactly what they wanted just by being hung over. So cool. that's, what, that's that's the that's what people talk about all these different bits and pieces, but if you look at the history of it, yeah, Mel, Mel Gibson stumbled into the role just because of the fact that he had a big night before. And the rest, as they say, is history. But and then this, and then the Ghostbusters reboot. I don't, I, I don't think I'll ever watch it. I don't think it's I, I saw bits of it, and I will say this: it just, it, it, it's. Uh, they were trying to put do so much things, and they were trying to attack. Pe- it was they were trying to be political. It was, it was just a political. And it, it, if you want to know an interesting fact, uh, I looked up. I did a comparison with uh, the with the new Ghostbusters, the first and second. The first Ghostbusters movie worldwide box office raised two hundred ninety-five million, two hundred twelve thousand four hundred sixty-seven dollars. And the budget would make it. Thirty, yeah, thirty million, thirty-seven million for the Ghostbusters two as well. And oh. and yet they 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 basically were a license to print money because it was a, it was about having fun. That was what the movies were about. Yeah, like slaughter. And oh, here's another interesting fact: Bill Murray in the new one. He was nearly sued to be in this movie. He was threatened. Why? Ah, uh, because Bill Murray said like, uh, because people, because um, the new dir- the one of the producers for the new Ghostbusters movie was saying uh, wanted Bill Murray to be in there as a cameo, and Bill Murray was going like, nah, nah, I don't want to be in this, and they sued, <laughs> they sued him. Like, they nearly sued you, him. You, for- you got to think you're onto a stinker when Bill Murray's going no. And then yeah. they sue him to be there, and it's and that's the only way they're actually managing Bill Murray into the movie is to take legal action. Like it's just so wrong. That's just dumb, anyway. And that was but, actually, and ironically, that's all, that's all from the uh, Sony hack. These were all revealed on the Sony hack um, from. Well, the court, code, all the legal documents would be available in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should talk about something else though, because I'm it, I'm getting angry. Is, about it. And it is getting on there. We are now well over time, so. Yeah. Can you introduce the next topic, please, DJ? Yeah. So, so the next, so we should we should go to a place where it's gonna be where we can get forget all this by going to a Studio Ghibli themed park. Uh, which is coming, but unfortunately, that's coming in twenty. Unfortunately, uh, it's fantastic news. Yeah, but twenty. I want it now. <laughs> I want it now. But you don't want them to rush it. And come on, like. You're not going to get a, a Ghibli Studio theme park coming out any quicker because they've got... Yeah. yeah. Like, right. And you can't, like, when you look at some of the bits and pieces from out of that studio, like My Neighbor, Totoro, and so forth, like Spirited Away, they, they, they don't do half-measure things. It's always breathtaking on the scope. The theme park's going to have to reflect that. Anything that's not there is just going to be ridiculously. Mm. And actually, where is it? Going? It's going to be in Japan somewhere as well, isn't it? It's uh, it's going to be, it's going to be in Archi Prefecture's Lush Expo Park. So it's going to be oh, an Expo okay. Park. I- like, Aishi Prefecture, uh, not Archi. Aishi. Um, the Japanese, they, they they always do theme parks to an extremely great level. And then this is Studio Ghibli. You, this is one of those things that are the fans they're worldwide and there's an but this is japan though they can do it so easily like i saw a video a long no. time ago about how they fixed the road in about a week oh yeah a couple of days for a sinkhole but 
you got to build all the stuff and you got to get you got to have the artwork and all that yeah you've, got to, you, you've actually got to manufacture some of these things and there's like roller coaster rides and so forth and if they're building like uh fiberglass statues and stuff that's going to take them a while because artists don't like to be right and they've got some of the bits and pieces i'm looking at here in the art it's not you go down to bunnings and slap together a couple of bits of fiberglass with a couple of bits of wood and hey presto you're talking about like as we said like my neighbor totoro spirited away all those amazing classic um princess monaco wind rises you you've got some stuff there that's just going to be insane like there's like i'm looking here there's a picture of at least one roller coaster there's a castle there's a water area uh there's 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 castles Uh, they got the castle for spirited away and so forth and all that sort of stuff um there's boat rides everything like this is speaking of roller coaster here about this week with what happened at universal roller coaster no Apparently, um, there was a apparently a roller coaster at Universal Studios Japan stalled, leaving sixty four passengers dangling face down for two Ooh. hours. Oh, that's unpleasant. And this was on a Jurassic Park themed ride, the Flying Dinosaur. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. So I I agree with you there. Like it does it does need. I agree with you. It has to be perfect. And... So the fact that it's actually going to be coming by twenty. That's the thing that I'm. Gonna... Like it's yep. confirmed for twenty twenty. It'll be finished probably early twenty twenty or late twenty nineteen and they'll be doing testing and you'll see photos of it popping up around the world and everyone's excited. Looks like they've got a giant um Viking ship ride. You know the ones where they, they rocked back and forth? Oh yeah. It looks like they got one of those there too, but so Buck so Buck, can we see you um at Tokyo? Mate. Yeah, you're gonna be our representative to the grand opening. Uh, mate, <laughs> if I can get there, I would love to. And it won't be next year; it's the year after because we're only in 2018. Oh yeah. But mate, if I can get in there, I would go. We'll see a couple of happy snaps of of um Buck. No, because I don't stand in front of the camera. I stand behind the camera. <laughs> <laughs> but um, talking about great things that that are happy. Mm-hmm. Um, shout outs for birthdays this week. Um. It was the Red Baron's birthday, and oh. it's just over 100 years since death. Yep, his uh, death in late April, shot down by the Australian uh, anti-air gunner. And then um, Machiavelli, who is actually described, I want to make sure that's right here, um, a humanist and a philosopher. Not just a political schemer, he was known as a humanist. So that was um, Niccolo Machiavelli who was a prince that was born in Florence in 1469, died in 1527. So given given those um, that period, he actually lived to a pretty old age. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And another person we have to doff our hats to and respect because it was her birthday this week was the late, great Audrey Hepburn, oh. who is one of the most timeless women in movies who originally started out wanting to be a ballet dancer and was studying to be a ballet dancer suffered because of complications with her health during world war ii and so helping to support the resistance fighting against the nazis etc putting on shows to raise money to help support the resistance um she died in 1993 unfortunately but she's one of the most gracious ladies she appeared in breakfast at tiffany's my fair lady the list goes on mm-hmm. if you don't know who she crawled out from under whatever happened to Thunder, um, and I'll be 
quite disgusted and um and and tied in with the Ghibli theme park another happy thing to look forward to is there's a Ghibli film festival coming to Brisbane so every so from Thursday 10th of May to Thursday June 14th at seven o'clock on the Elizabeth Picture Theatre at Street uh there will be a new Ghibli film festival where they'll be posting movies such as Kiki Delivery Service from Up on Poppy Hill, My Neighbor Totoro, and Grave of the Fireflies. And it's only $12 per session. Better get better go there quick. All those uni students who are missing lectures, um, I think I know where you'll be. Yep. we have to send the uh, send the tutors down there to round them up. And <laughs> <laughs> not to mention today being... Star Wars Day. We should give all those tutors Imperial March. It's the uh, the date of recording. That is not the date of broadcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> not and for those who um, do decide to party hardy on Star Wars Day, just beware of the Revenge of the Six. <laughs> you've got to go to work. It's going to hurt. <laughs> that is a terrible pun. Oh, um, yeah. I know, but I'm, I'm <laughs> end, end it now. <laughs> I'm an uncle. I'm allowed to do these. I'm expected to. Oh, good thing you're not a dad to make his jokes, <laughs> Buck. Not thanks, even... a, thanks, thanks a lot. Then. I thought I was a father <laughs> figure for you. <laughs> Try and drag you up into being a human being. <laughs> but um, I have to. I'm gonna have to check out the um, listings for the Ghibli sessions and uh, for the film festival and go watch Howl's Moving Castle because that's going to be fun. I want to go see that on the big screen. Yeah, that's um, quite a good one and my friend's actually got the book, although it's uh, quite different from the movie. Mm. The but... guy on the cover looks suspiciously like David Bowie in the 90s. <laughs> Wasn't he? Ooh, now we know where David Bowie got the look from. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that will be a, that and Spirit of the those were the two, those are by far some good Miyazaki I want, I want to see I hope I can uh, I think Lauren Bacall was in the How's Moving Castle wasn't she? Well she was as in the voice actress yeah she was the uh, Witch of the Waste Oh another lady who was an all time great but I think we're, we're, we're getting to the point where we're going to have to start looking at say May the May the Force be with you and good night yep. Yeah, yeah, so that's the show of today. Visit us at, at That's Not Cat. Or you can buy some nerds. You can add the podcast to your favorite RSS or iTunes. You can also follow us on our Facebook like page. Listening. See you next week. Au revoir. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns